Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the June 2nd edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done this live on Facebook or Periscope, and uh, I've had a couple of people ask me, why don't you do the show live anymore? And I thought, why don't I do the show live anymore? Because honestly, I have to give like a certain amount of notice on Facebook or, um, well, mainly Facebook in order to broadcast. Um, and when I'm ready to go, I'm kind of ready to go and I don't want to wait 10 more minutes. But um, I don't know. I just thought today I'd do it live on Facebook and see if we get a little bit more engagement. Love to have you email the show. Uh, we tackle life at gmail.com. We tackle life at gmail.com, which I didn't check before today's podcast. So maybe I should to see if anybody uh, has any feedback. You know, I always forget to tell you guys to review the podcast on iTunes. And honestly, I can't begin to tell you why that's important, but I do know it is important because every single podcast I listen to, I hear Hey, give us a five-star review. on five. I'm like, why don't you give us a six-star review? Because you can't. That's why. So it's a five-star review. And uh, if you wanted to do that, uh, it'd be much appreciated. Uh, so um, thank you for doing that, if in fact you are uh, interested in doing so. All right. Uh, we got a lot of things to get to in sports today. The name, image, and likeness thing is not going to be out of the spotlight until it gets figured out at the state level, at the national level. And it gets put in and we get to see how fans react to it. But it's really interesting. It is uh, the right thing to do, as I've said before, but I don't think it's going to be a good thing for college athletics. And I have a little bit of a different spin on my previous spin on it today because now we have Ryan Day and Mark Pantone, the two guys who drive Ohio State's talent um, smorgasbord on the football side, talking about it. So 11 Warriors, and I'm sure others did a great job of writing about it. I just happened to read the 11 Warriors story. So we'll go through that today. I want to play you a cut from the one of the greatest graduation speeches I've ever heard because it pertains to a couple other things in the news today. Three particular things involving former Cavs point guard and hero of the 2016 NBA Finals Game 7 final minute, Kyrie Irving. I don't want to cheat LeBron out of his block, and I don't want to cheat LeBron out of his performance that night, or J.R. Smith early in the second half, or anything else that none of us Cavs fans then will ever forget, because I'm not a Cavs fan now, because I'm not an NBA fan now, because the NBA is not, doesn't like make it fan-friendly to watch. They've gone fully political, and I watch sports to, how about this, watch sports. I ran a Twitter poll recently where I asked you how long it had been since you watched an NBA game more than a channel surfing drive-by. So uh, I, my options were one to two days, one to two weeks, one to two months, or one to two years. 73% one to two years. 73%. I would say about half my Twitter following is Columbus and about half is Cleveland. So if half my Twitter following is in Cleveland and 73% of those people. Now, obviously, you know, that could have been all Columbus people, but chances are it's not because the responses I got were, no, I just don't want to hear uh, any kind of politics, conservative, liberal, leftist, Democrat preach to me uh, when I'm watching sports. You love it when I preach to you about the benefits of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee though. Sure you do. Yes, it's awesome. Right here it is. Bourbon barrel-aged coffee. See how they package it? So nice and uh, perfect for graduations, perfect for weddings. 
get that college student the best coffee they've ever tasted as they head off to college where they have to uh, get up after a late night, head off to class, be energized by a cup of Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. What better way could you uh, show someone you care about as they head out into their next big adventure in the world and to turn them on to Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee? It is taken from right off the uh, coffee plant, one bean at a time by hand. Uh, by growers around the world, Indonesia, Nicaragua, Ethiopia, Thailand. Great, great mission of Paul Grace and Andy at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee. And you get it, light, medium, dark roast, whole bean, ground, K-cups, you name it, they've got it. Save 15%, save 15% when you use the promo code in all caps, we tackle life. We tackle life in all caps. That'll get you 15% off at Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee, which uh, they would appreciate and I would appreciate. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's switch to sports for a second. Uh, why bury the lead, right? Name, image, and likeness. Um, I don't like it. I understand it's necessary. Here is, uh, it's going to be, if you thought this would happen below the radar, that you as a college football fan wouldn't notice a whole lot of difference in the era of name, image, and likeness other than maybe guys would be openly driving nicer cars or openly wearing nicer clothes. Uh, you're wrong. Humbly, I would say you're wrong. And I was wrong because I didn't think it would be this out front. But, you know, what's that old saying? You're in for a nickel, you're in for whatever. Ohio State is <laughs> fully fully embracing this in terms of selling it to recruits. And I'm kind of thinking, Bruce, why were you so stupid to think that they wouldn't put this out there? Recruiting now is so different than it was when I was starting in the business. Back then, a lot of Ohio State's recruiting pitch was, come play for us because you want to be an Ohio State Buckeye. That's the famous Woody Hayes closing line, are you going to be a Buckeye? Kids now, they don't give two beans, even if they're Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee beans, about being a Buckeye. They want to know, what can you do for me? It's really kind of interesting, right, how culture has changed across the board. One of the most famous statements ever at a presidential inauguration is John F. Kennedy, 1960, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. That was in the midst of the Woody Hayes era. And Woody Hayes used to ask, don't ask what Ohio State can do for you. What can you do for Ohio State? Are you good enough for us? And that continued through the Earl Bruce era and really through the John Cooper era, although John Cooper started to recruit nationally. So maybe the love of Ohio State and the, you know, I'm a, I grew up a Buckeye. I want to be a Buckeye. I always wanted to be a Buckeye started to wane. Maybe it got back. Tress got back to that a little bit. Urban never sold that except with the rare Ohio kid, even though it was true of Urban. Why did Urban come to Ohio State? Well, obviously it was the best job open at the time and he knew he could come into the Big Ten and win at an outrageous rate because there were a bunch of rubes coaching in the conference at that time. And he could bring SEC style uh, recruiting and football to the Big Ten. Get to the NFL. Get to the NFL. That was Urban's absolute table pounding 
message he stressed in recruiting. All right. Now, the message is twofold. Get to the NFL, get rich. Get to the NFL, get rich. I'm quoting here from the 11, 11 Warriors story on name, image, and likeness and Ohio State's plans direct from the mouth of Ryan Day and Mark Pantone about how they're going to use name, image, and likeness to trick out an already tricked out talent buffet at Ohio State. What Ohio State will be able to do once name, image, and likeness legislation goes into effect is provide a platform through which athletes should have the opportunity to make money through avenues like endorsement deals, event appearances, and sports instruction. Ohio State football players should be well positioned to take advantage of that market as anyone. Here's a quote from, is this Ryan Day or is this Mark Pantone? Why is there no, here, Mark Pantone. This is him talking, the director of, he's basically the general manager of Ohio State football, talent acquisition. The brand that Blocko nationally, the brand of Ohio State football, the city of Columbus, and then our fan base, which is another level, we feel very excited about the opportunities for our players, and we're going to definitely discuss it with all these recruits the next few weeks, Pantone said. We think it's a great selling point for them. We have to embrace it. We know it's coming down the tracks, and we are going to be well prepared for it. Ryan Day said, quote, the opportunity for name, image, and likeness for future Buckeyes is going to be off the chart. Uh, wow. So they are going to sell the crap out of this, which they should. It's a tool in their arsenal. Why not? I just think fans are going to hate it. I really do think fans are going to hate it. Uh, um, maybe I'm old school and I hate it. So I think everybody else is going to hate it. People of my generation are going to hate this and it's going to open up so big a can of worms. You're not going to be able to put the genie back in a bottle. I get it, but it's going to be, there's going to be no way, no way for the NCAA to patrol this. No way, no chance, no how kids can go give a private lesson to a kid somewhere, hey, I'm a booster and I'd like for Justin Fields to come and spend an hour with my kid and teach him how to throw a football. He doesn't even have to teach him how to throw a football. He can come over and watch a Monday night football game for 25 grand. You think there aren't Ohio State fans who pay 25 grand to have Justin Fields come over and watch a Monday night football game? I'm talking about Justin Fields when he was eligible. You better believe there are. That's absolutely going to happen at Ohio State, Alabama, USC, Tennessee, Auburn. It's going to happen. These guys, we are going to have, ladies and gentlemen, million dollar a year college athletes. We just are. Now, I could see where maybe guys stay in school longer because of this. Because let's take a case. I'm just going to pull a case out of thin air here. Like, Tyler Hansbro, North Carolina, years ago. You remember Tyler Hansbro? Or let me get an Ohio State. E.J. Liddell. Why not E.J. Liddell? E.J. Liddell is, does anybody think E.J. Liddell is a surefire, long-term NBA player? I don't. E.J. Liddell is a really good Big Ten player and a really good college basketball player. But E.J. Liddell is a tweener. E.J. Liddell is not a three in the NBA right now with the skill set he has. He's not a dominant four. 
So EJ Liddell can go play in the G League or play in Europe. But guys leave. Caleb Wesson left. Why? I want to get paid. I want to get paid in Europe. I want to get paid somewhere. I want to get paid. I don't like school. Well, if Caleb Wesson is making a half a million dollars at Ohio State because he can help Ohio State win a national championship in college basketball, and there are Ohio State well-heeled alums who will pay him to stay in school for doing whatever, why wouldn't he stay here rather than go in the NBA draft when it was not a sure thing he was going to get taken? Now, the guys at the top of the draft, of course they're going to go to the draft. because they're He's not going to make $10 million staying at Ohio State, some kid. But, man, I think the way they market this and the way you're going to be inundated. Now, this will settle down after a few years. It will. There'll be a lot of people willing to pay right away because it's new. And then they won't get a return on investment. Businesses in particular, I really don't think they'll get a return on investment because the market will be absolutely flooded with these guys. And they'll be pimping themselves out. It's no, no nice way to say it. They will be. They'll be pimping themselves out. Here's another aspect of it that's going to drive the, the, the dark side of our uh, cultural conversation. I don't say woke anymore. I say dark because people who are woke are darkened in their understanding. Who are the female athletes who are going to benefit from this? All right, let's be honest. There's going to be lesbian female athletes who will resonate with the side of the fan base that wants to glorify that lifestyle. Free, fair country, free country, fair choice, whatever. The, the women athletes who are going to do the best, because this is just the size of the marketing pie, are the women athletes who are going to be willing to do swimsuit shoots, the attractive female athletes. I'm, this is the mayor of Realtown talking to you. This is the absolute 100% gospel truth through the eyes of a male who has seen the world. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not under any pressure here to be woke. I'm under pressure here. I'm not under pressure here, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Paul said in Galatians, I tell you the truth. Am I therefore your enemy? I'm just telling you. The great looking female athletes are going to clean up on name, image, and likeness if they're willing to do certain things. That's my opinion. It's my opinion. We'll see if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But there will be some female athlete, maybe a USC song girl. I don't know. But there, how much could Aaron Andrews have made at the University of Florida as a one of the Gator girls? How much Aaron Andrews have made off name, image, and likeness? Because she's she's fun and she's telegenic and she's well-spoken and you think some auto dealer in Gainesville, Florida wouldn't rather have Aaron Andrews uh, in the Florida, whatever they call their pom-pom girl thing, wouldn't rather have Aaron Andrews endorse for his product, wouldn't rather have a personal appearance at his car dealership from Aaron Andrews than from some linebacker on the football team? Mayor Realtown talking to you right now, okay? That's how I see it. And it's going to be crazy, crazy, wild, wild west, crazy. They're going to need a bevy of attorneys to figure this out. 
And boy, do I have the attorneys for you. <laughs> How about that segue? Willis Spangler Starling, great attorney firm, awesome people. Kelly, Phil, Ashley, Stan, they're the partners, the associates, I've met some of them. Really great people. Here's the deal, okay? Memorial Day's just passed. I thought a lot about my father on Memorial Day. I wrote a column about my father on PressProsMagazine.com. I'd be honored if you read it. My father is gone. I miss him terribly. But there's one thing I have with me that I'll always have with me, besides the memories and besides the lessons he taught me. I'll always have his last name. Always. I would do nothing um, to dishonor that last name. The people you affiliate with are a reflection on you. So if you go for a attorney who is not uh, someone who prizes integrity, character, honor, honesty, um, standards of their profession, that's a reflection on you. I am a Willis Spangler Starling client because I know they will reflect awesome on me. And I will never be embarrassed to have them represent me. So if you are looking for an attorney like that, you are looking for an attorney from Willis Spangler Starling. And they're on Truman Boulevard and Hilliard, easy to find and easy to deal with, easy to talk to. And they will, um, I think they'll probably give you a free consultation if you mention the We Tackle Life podcast. They take some cases on contingency. So I can't recommend them more highly than I already do. Willis Spangler Starling, Willis Spangler Starling. Okay, so that's my name, image, and likeness take. Now, to uh, look at my uh, podcast here and see that it is not recording. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. I'm going to rely on StreamYard then. So StreamYard, don't let me down, brother. I need StreamYard to come through with uh, an audio recording of this podcast. So we'll start it back up and see how we're doing. Okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> this is the perils of live broadcasting. See, this is why I don't do this live on Facebook very often. All right, uh, let's go to a couple things in the news. Naomi Osaka, tennis player, pulls out of the French Open, cites mental fatigue, doesn't want to talk to the press. The press's questions are too tough, la, 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 la. Kyrie Irving uh, gets an empty water bottle thrown at him by a Boston Celtic fan, and he cites racism. Okay. Uh, Marcus Stroman, pitcher uh, for the New York Mets, uh, Bob Brenly, analyst for the New York Mets, notes that Marcus Stroman is wearing a, uh, a hanky on his head, a do-rag on his head. I've always called it a do-rag. I don't know if there's a politically correct name for it. I don't know what it is. Marcus Stroman claims that Bob Brenly is racist because Bob Brenly said that uh, Marcus Stroman's do-rag was probably uh, a relic, a leftover from the Tom Seaver era, which you guys don't know Tom Seaver because you're not ancient like I am, but Tom Seaver pitched for the Mets in the 60s and 70s. Okay, so with Naomi Osaka here, uh, first of all, I have an understanding of the depth of mental illness, and I'm not saying that if she has a social anxiety disorder, it's not worth uh, giving credence to, but I'm saying I would like to have seen her try to work around that with like a Zoom press conference. Uh, in all three of these cases, in all three of these cases, what is the common thread? All three of these athletes expect the worst of others, right? Kyrie says, oh, the guy who threw the water bottles racist. A lot of racism out there. Marcus Stroman, racism. 
Naomi Osaka. Oh, the press. They have ill intentions for me. They ask mean questions. They have tough questions. Generally in life, it would be great if when we are tempted to, lured into, blaming others, expecting the worst of others, if we could check ourselves, change our thought, that would in turn change our feeling, which would in turn change our action. Um, let me just say to, on the Kyrie Irving case, Kyrie, you played for the Boston Celtics and you stiffed them at contract time. You just did, okay? Boston Celtic fans don't like ex-Boston Celtics who stiffed the Celtics. I would argue that that is why that guy threw a water bottle at you. Because does it make sense to me that a guy who's a racist would pay the money to go to an NBA game and single out Kyrie Irving? Is Kyrie Irving the only black player on the floor that night? I don't think so. Um, so why would Kyrie Irving, why would this guy's animus toward Kyrie Irving be race related as opposed to just Kyrie Irving related, which, okay, he doesn't like Kyrie Irving. He's buying the ticket and he gets to voice his displeasure, his dislike, his even disdain for you, Kyrie. Now he shouldn't call you a racial slur, but if he does, that reflects more on him, the idiot that he is, than it would on you because his words have no power to damage you unless you let them. I was listening to the black uh, linguist, John McWhorter, on a recent podcast, and John McWhorter says exactly that. Why do you give people's words the power to hurt you? Their words are empty words unless you put, plug the power into them and decide to esteem them and prioritize them in some way. I've always felt that way about people who speak ill of me or people who speak ill of others. You have the authority to reject what they say about you because if you know who you are, what do you care? Some idiot who doesn't know you at all has a different opinion of you. Okay, but Kyrie Irving expects the worst of others. On Marcus Stroman, he too expects the worst of others. Like the word do-rag, that's racist now? Okay, what do I call it? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like Bob Brenly won a World Series with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Bob Brenly played in Major League Baseball clubhouses for many, many years. Bob Brenly's a racist? He was on network television for a long time. I think it would have come out before now if he was. Marcus Stroman, he doesn't like you wearing a do-rag. He doesn't like any, any player wearing a thing on their head, I guess. I don't even know what his beef was. But why does it bother you so much? Like, you're in the major leagues, Marcus Stroman. You're in New York City. You're making a lot of money. You were a really good pitcher with the Toronto Blue Jays. You've had life experiences nobody else has had. Focus on those things, Marcus Stroman. Don't change your thought which will change your feeling, which will change your action. Or just say, he said, what about my head covering? Uh, okay, I don't care. It doesn't have any impact on me. It doesn't change how I pitch. But if you get all wrapped up, if you're Kyrie, if you're Marcus Stroman, if you're Naomi Osaka, and assuming that people have the worst intentions for you with something they say or something they do in the case of the press with Naomi Osaka, it's they're doing their job. They're asking you questions. 
wouldn't we all have a little bit more, a lot more, an immeasurably more pleasant life if we stopped expecting the worst, the most nefarious intent of every single thing out there? This brings me to a graduation speech from seven years ago, I believe, 2014, University of Texas. Admiral William H. McRaven. Admiral McRaven is a University of Texas um, graduate, okay? McRaven was the admiral in the makeshift situation room because the original situation room could not get the feed up for the cabinet and President Obama to watch the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound. McRaven is the admiral in there who's telling them what they're watching on infrared film as the Navy SEALs, shout out SEAL Team 6, goes in to assassinate bin Laden. So McRaven is a big timer, okay? So McRaven was a SEAL for like 30 years. And he gave this story from his graduation speech to the University of Texas about his SEAL training. And this is instructive when it comes to situations I'm talking about, like Kyrie Irving, like Marcus Stroman, like Naomi Osaka, expecting the worst of others rather than learning how to deal with, process, press through, and overcome perceived unfairness from others. It's an awesome cut. Listen, Admiral William H. McRaven. But it seemed that no matter how much effort you put into starching your hat or pressing your uniform or polishing your belt buckle, it just wasn't good enough. The instructors would find something wrong. For failing the uniform inspection, the student had to run fully clothed into the surf zone, then wet from head to toe, roll around on the beach until every part of your body was covered with sand. The effect was known as sugar cookie. You stayed in the uniform the rest of the day, cold, wet, and sandy. There were many of students who just couldn't accept the fact that all their efforts were in vain, and no matter how hard they tried to get the uniform right, it went unappreciated. Those students didn't make it through training. Those students didn't understand the purpose of the drill. You were never going to succeed. You were never going to have a perfect uniform. The instructors weren't going to allow it. Sometimes, no matter how well you prepare, or how well you perform, you still end up as a sugar cookie. It's just the way life is sometimes. If you want to change the world, get over being a sugar cookie and keep moving forward. Now, when I heard that, it's a great story, right? And it's about overcoming adversity. There's a verse in Proverbs, wounds and blows cleanse a man, beatings purge the inmost being. Adversity's good, right? Adversity can be good depending on how you view adversity. But now I thought about the story this morning as I got ready to play it for you guys. I thought about it on a deeper level. So these guys going through SEAL Team 6 training, he said a couple times a week are getting ready for this uniform inspection that they come to understand they will never pass, right? 
they will never pass. And they will be in their uniform, buckle polished, shoes polished, hat starched, uniform starched, clean, looking immaculate. And they know they're going to fail the inspection. Think about preparing for that inspection. Yet they continue to polish the button, the, the buckle, polish the shoes, starch the uniform, starch the hat. Then they have to run into the water, roll around in the sand. They then have to do that all over again. Get the sand out of the uniform, get the sand out of the buckle, get the sand out of the shoes. After they go through the whole day, wet, cold, sandy, all day long. Two, three times a week, he didn't say. But think about the mental toughness and the adversity that it takes. And think about how the only way you get through that is to understand, uh, change the thought, change the feeling, change the action mindset. If you look at it like, I hate these guys. They're going to tell me my hat's not good enough. My buckle's not good enough. My shoes are not good enough. I hate these guys. I want out of here. They're against me. It's not fair. You'll never pass it. You'll never endure it. You'll never withstand it. You'll never triumph over it. But he said, those who understood there's a purpose behind this, maybe it's just a weeding out purpose. Is it fair? No, it's not. <laughs> is the inspection what they really say it is? No, it's not. It's meant to ingrain a deeper lesson. But those who triumphed over it were the ones who could change their thought, change their feeling, change their action. So really awesome from uh, Admiral William H. McRaven, Kyrie Irving, Marcus Stroman, Naomi Osaka, your sugar cookies, your sugar cookies, but you can be a sugar cookie and still, still make it work for you. They don't, they're not making it work for them right now. I hope they figure it out and I hope uh, it eventually does work for them. I know this. Wow. I'm on fire on the segues today. The, the great people at auiinfo.com will work for you for sure. If you're a business owner, and I'm thinking small business here, two people in your business, or a lone wolf, they call it a group of one, or maybe up to 50 people, you own a small restaurant. Insurance is a headache for you. I get it. Who wants to get online and research different insurance companies and try to speak their language? Nobody. Nobody wants to. Uh, my friends at Willis Spangler Starling, I've talked to them about this. They're like, oh man, once you get your benefits set, it's a pain to change. No, it isn't. Cause I told them about auiinfo.com and I'm telling you about auiinfo.com and there's the banner auiinfo.com, right? What do they do? Well, first of all, they don't charge you. So it's a free service. How can they stay in business? They're paid by the insurance companies they put you with. And I, I misstated that they don't put you with insurance companies, you pick insurance companies. They give you the options, the co-pays, the benefits, life, health, disability, dental, vision, all the stuff. They help line you up with the best benefits for the money you're paying so you can attract the best employees, so you can keep the best employees, so you don't have to do all this garbage yourself. AUINFO.com, they also offer free, free, I said free, HR training modules, 300 of them, 300. HR headache for everyone, right? Let AUI take care of that for you. It's all part of their service to you, which again is free, but they're paid, just not by you. AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo.com. Um, okay, so with that, I'm going to step off camera for one second. 
Then we're going to start the faith portion of the podcast. Memorial Day weekend was a weekend full of graduation parties. Uh, Five that we were invited to and some member of our family attended. I love graduation parties. They're filled with hope. They're filled with um, gratitude for accomplishments in the past and um, what might lie ahead for the graduate in the future. It's a rite of passage. It's become a thing. It was not a thing when I was in school, uh, but it's a thing now. And it's fun because you get to see people you don't ordinarily see every day or even very often or even every year. Saturday, I went to a graduation party. I ran into a friend who I used to go to church with, who I commiserate with two or three times a year via text messaging. But we had a conversation, and uh, it was a spiritual conversation, since this is, I'll better label it, the faith portion of the podcast. And as we get to talking about uh, what our faith in Christ has given us in our life, he asked me, why do you think people take so long in many cases? To come to Christ? Why do they put it off? Why did you and I, you know, I, in my own case, it was, I really didn't invest in knowing what the gospel uh, offered me and compelled me to do until my mid thirties, till I hit a big crisis in my life. And I said to him, my answer was because I think we don't have the same view of sin that God does. God finds our sin detestable. We find it um, a mild failure (laughs) or a shortcoming. Or uh, just, you know, coming up a little bit short. God doesn't view it that way. He views it as completely unacceptable because his nature is complete holiness and purity. And so he cannot accept us any part of our uh, with uh, any part of our sin clinging to us, which it no longer does once you accept Jesus as your savior. So in the course of that uh, conversation and uh, my answer to him, uh, I reflected on something I read a few days before that, uh, which I had never, ever noticed before uh and i'm reading the gospel of john uh i've read the gospel of john a lot of times but i never have retained the knowledge of this conversation jesus is in the upper room he's talking to his disciples judas iscariot who has betrayed him has um i believe already uh, left the upper room to uh betray him when his other disciple named judas yes little known fact Bible trivia, Jeopardy. There were two disciples named Judas. One was Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. One was just Judas. And that Judas, I don't think he's written about much, if at all, other than this interlude. John 14, 22. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to the world and not to us? Because Jesus has just told them, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love my love him and show myself to him. So Jesus is saying, if you obey my, if you obey my teaching, that shows you love me. I'll show you the Father, and I'll show myself to you. In other words, I'll be I'll be in relationship with you. That's how he said it. I'll show myself to him. And Judas goes, Why don't you just show yourself to the whole world? Wouldn't that be easier? Like, why would part of the world be condemned? And Jesus says, 
in response, he says the same thing over again. He says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So we talk a lot in sports about motivation, right? What's your motivation for, for winning? You have to have motivation. You have to have motivation to work out. You have to have motivation to improve. You have to have motivation to achieve, right? So let's talk a little bit about motivation and where our motivation comes from. You know, if you know anything about the Bible and anything about Jesus' ministry, you know that Jesus did not get along with the religious leaders of his day. They were called Pharisees. And they were rigid, man. They had their own way of like, we know how to get to God. It's obey, 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 obey. Don't even dare lift uh, a piece of bread on the Sabbath because that's working. Right? They went to the nth degree to obey and to be perfect, right? Try to work their way to God and be perfect in his sight. And Jesus says, no, I got a different way. Like, just obey what I tell you. Just accept. First of all, you can never be perfect. So I'll be perfect. I'll hang on the cross. I'll die for your sin. That's your atonement. That's your forgiveness. That's your sacrifice. You claim what I did as your own and you're good. That's the whole gospel right there in a nutshell. And they were like, no, no, we're going to be perfect. We're going to do it our way. Your way stinks. We're going to do it our way. Why did they not accept the easier way? Right? Why? It's much easier to accept what somebody else does for you than to try to do it all yourself when you can't. And you're going to fail because they didn't have the right motivation. They didn't have the right motivation. Their motivation to do all the things they did, law, 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 600 laws, obey them all, can't lift a piece of bread on the Sabbath, la, la, all this crazy, stupid stuff. Their motivation in doing it was the glory they got from doing it. And their flowing robes and people would esteem them. Oh, look at him. Wow, he's really important. He does everything perfect. He's a Pharisee. Okay. But Jesus was like, now you're doing it with the wrong motivation. I just told Judas, not Iscariot, Judas, my good Judas. <laughs> I just told him, look, man, if you love me, you'll obey my teaching. Like, it won't be hard for you. You'll obey. You'll screw up from time to time. Sure, I get it. But I hang on the cross for that. I got that covered. No worries. And you and I will be in right relationship. I'll show myself to you. But I'm not going to show myself to the world, to these knuckleheads over here who won't listen to my way of doing it, my easier way of doing it, my gift. They don't want my gift. They want to do it themselves because they want to look like they're powerful and prominent and claim a lot of prestige. Well, so we got the Pharisees who won't do it the right way. They want to do it their way. They, have the, they lack the proper motivation. But... The New Testament is largely written by the Apostle Paul, okay? The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee. In his day as a Pharisee, the Apostle Paul murdered people who had their faith in Christ. After Jesus died on the cross and ascended to heaven, the Apostle Paul was then known as Saul, Saul, and he was from Tarsus, so they called him Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted Christians and sought them out and hunted them down and killed them. Saul was there when Stephen was stoned to death. He was holding people's coats so they could throw stones. He was an accessory to murder. Okay. But then 
Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul. Why? Why did he become the Apostle Paul? Because he had the right motivation. Saul was doing everything with great vigilance and great determination and great legalism, intractability, and to the point where he'd murder people. But his motivation was not his own glory. His motivation was because he thought that's what God wanted him to do. And when he had an experience on the road to Damascus where a light from heaven came down and Jesus said to him, Hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. Jesus was already in heaven at that time. And he gave Saul orders, go into this city, wait for this guy. He'll tell you what to do. And Saul did that because his motivation wasn't to hold to what he already believed and what had given him prominence and power. His motivation was because, well, I'm doing all this legalistic stuff. I'm killing people because I think that's what God wants me to do. But now I heard the voice from heaven that's really telling me I'm on the wrong track. I'm doing the wrong thing. He had to change his mindset. He had to change his thoughts, which changed his feelings, which changed his actions. Okay? Because why? What was his motivation rooted in? His motivation was rooted in humility and submission. He was humble enough to accept a different way, a radically different way. He was submissive enough to say, well, I don't have all the answers. God has all the answers. I'm trying to serve God over here as a Pharisee, but he's just told me that's not how he wants me to serve him. He wants me to serve him in a different way. And so Paul's motivation changed. And when his motivation changed, his ministry changed. And he became the guy who planted churches throughout the world throughout that part of the world. And he's probably more responsible for people coming to Christ. He's responsible for me coming to Christ. He took the gospel to the Gentiles, which is a Gentile is just not a Jew. So everybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And Paul took the apostle, took the gospels to the Gentiles. So I wouldn't be a Christian without Paul. Neither would you uh, if you're not Jewish. So we go back to Jason, my, my friend Jason's question at the graduate race party. Why do people wait? Well, Paul didn't wait. He heard a better way and he immediately responded. He responded immediately because his motivation was a desire to serve God authentically, how God said, not how he thought it ought to be. So with your motivation, Jesus's answer to Judas is all about motivation. Why won't you show yourself to the world? Just show yourself to the world. And he's like, I'm not going to show myself to the world. Their motivation's not right. They don't want to obey my teaching. They don't want to listen to me. They want to do it for their own glory. They want, to, they want to give to the poor so they'll get lots of people thinking they're great people. They want to clothe the, the, the you know, help the sick because of what they'll get out of it. They're not doing it for my glory. They're doing it for their own glory. So it's all about the humility to obey, the submission to obey. And that is just so awesome to me. Because with that, you then can authentically come to Christ. You'll obey out of a desire to obey, to thank him. You'll get, he says, I give the gift when I leave. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not leaving you to fend for yourselves. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I'm giving you my spirit inside. I'm giving you my 
wisdom inside. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, talks about the gift of wisdom being accepting Christ and getting the Holy Spirit. He says, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become wisdom from God. So if you want wisdom to deal with life, you want biblical wisdom, truth, you have to have the right motivation. And your motivation has to be humility, submission, and gratitude. Because that is what we see in the answer of Jesus to Judas and in Paul's example, converting from a Pharisee to an apostle because he had the proper motivation. So I hope that that's instructive to you as you go forward today in your day. I appreciate you allowing me to share with you this morning, and I will talk to you again very, very soon.